Section 27 of The House of the White Shadows. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The House of the White Shadows by B. L. Fargen. Section 27. Book 5, Chapters 4 through 6. Chapter 4. Heaven's Judgment. Within half an hour of midnight, he arrived at the hill and saw the shadow of a man who was leaning against a tree. Gautran had been walking for nearly three hours, and during the whole time the storm of thunder and lightning had continued at intervals, now retreating, now advancing. But its full force had been spent many miles away, and it did not seem likely to approach much nearer to the house of white shadows. "'The man is there,' muttered Gautran, with his face still towards the advocate's window. "'What is his purpose?' He was curious about that, too, and thought he would endeavor to ferret it out. It might be useful to him in the future, for it concerned the advocate. There was plenty of time before him to accomplish his own murderous design. John Van Brew heard Gautran's footsteps. "'Who comes this way?' he cried. "'A friend,' replied Gautran. "'That is easily said,' cried Van Brew. "'I am not in a trustful mood. Hold off a bit, or I may do you mischief.' "'Do you not know me?' asked Gautran, approaching closer, and measuring himself with the dark form of Van Brew. They were of exactly the same height. "'What, Gautran!' exclaimed Van Brew in a gay tone. "'Yes, Gautran.' "'Welcome, friend, welcome,' said Van Brew with a laugh. "'Give me your hand. Veritable flesh and blood.' You have a powerful grip, Gautran. I thought we should meet again. What caused you to make yourself scarce so suddenly last night? You vanished like a cloud. I had business to do. Have you got any more of that brandy about you? I am not sure whether you deserve it. After emptying my flask, you may make off again. A poor return for hospitality, my friend. I promise to remain with you, it is what I came for, if you give me brandy. I take your word, said Van Brew, producing a flask. Drink, but not too greedily. Gautran took a long draught and returned the flask, saying, You have no food, I suppose? Why, yes, I have. Warned by previous experiences, I supplied myself liberally for this night's watch. I'll not refuse you, though I spent my last franc on it. Ah, said Gautran, with some eagerness, for an amicable exchange of clothing would render the more villainous part of his task easier of accomplishment. You are poor, then? Poor? Yes, but not for long, Gautran. The days of full purses are coming. Here is the food. Eat, rogue, eat. It is honest bread and meat, bought and paid for, 
but none the sweeter for that. We know which fruit is the sweetest. So you had business to do when you took French leave of me. How runs the matter? I had just pointed out the advocate's window to you, your own special advocate, my friend, to whom you have so much reason to be grateful, when you disappeared like an arrow from a bow. What follows, then, that leaving me so abruptly your business was important, and that it concerned the advocate? Right or wrong, rogue? Right, replied Gautran, as he devoured the food. Come, that's candid of you, and spoken like a friend. You did not know, before I informed you, that he lived in the villa yonder? I did not. I begin to have hopes of you, and, learning it from me, you made up your mind on the spur of the moment, your business being so important, to pay him a friendly visit, despite the strangeness of the hour for a familiar call. You've hit it, said Gautran. John Van Brew pondered a while. These direct answers, given without hesitation, puzzled him. He had expected to meet with prevarication, and he was receiving, instead, straightforward confidence. You are not afraid, he said, to speak the truth to me, Gautran? I am not. But I am a stranger to you. That's true. Why, then, do you confide in me? It was Gautran's turn now to pause, but he soon replied, with a sinister look which John Van Brew in the darkness could not see, Because, after what passes between us this night, I am sure you will not betray me. Good, said Van Brew. Then it is plain you sought me deliberately, because you think I can in some way serve you. Yes, because you can in some way serve me. That is why I am here. Then you intend to hide nothing from me? Nothing, for the reason I have given. A flash of lightning seemed to strike the spot on which he and Gautran were conversing, and he waited for the thunder. It came, long, deep, and threatening. "'There is a terrible storm somewhere,' he said. "'It does not matter,' rejoined Gautran, with a shudder, "'so long as a man is not alone. Don't mind my coming so close. I have walked many a mile to find you. I have not a friend in the world but you.' Not even the advocate? Not even him. He will see me no more. He told you that last night? Yes. But how did you get to him, Gautran? You did not enter by the gates. No, I dropped over the wall at the back. Tell me, it is but fair, I answer you honestly enough. What are you watching his house for? A man does not do as you are doing on such black nights as this for idle pastime. No, indeed, Gautran. I also have business with him, and strangely enough, 
you whom i met in the flesh for the first time within these last twenty-four hours are indirectly concerned in it am i strange enough as you say but it will not matter after tonight some hidden meaning in gautran's tone struck warningly upon jean vanbrugh and caused him to bestow a clearer observance upon gautran's movements from this moment there is a thing i wish to know gautran he said between vagabonds like ourselves there is no need for concealment it is a delicate question but you have been so frank with me that i will venture to ask it besides there are no witnesses and you will not therefore incriminate yourself this girl madeline whose spirit follows you vanbrugh hesitated the question he was about to ask trembled on his lips and he scarcely knew how to give it shape in words that would not provoke an outbreak on the part of gautran he had no desire to come into open collision with this ruffian of whose designs upon himself he was inwardly warned gautran with brutal recklessness assisted him you want to know if i killed her why yes though you put it roughly what matter well then she died at my hands john vanbrugh recoiled from the murderer in horror and in a suppressed tone asked when the advocate defended you did he know you were guilty ay we kept the secret to ourselves it was cleverly worked was it not and last night continued john vanbrugh he received you in his study ay and gave me liquor and food and money listen to it he rattled the gold pieces in the palms of his hands look you i have answered questions enough i answer no more for a while it is my turn now proceed gautran said vanbrugh i may satisfy you or not according to my whim you'll satisfy me or i'll know the reason why there is no harm in what i am going to say you are a stranger in these parts there is no offence in that is there none yes i am a stranger in these parts heavens what a flash the storm is coming nearer all the better you will hardly believe that i have been bothering myself about the color of your hair i hate red-haired men yours now is there any offence in asking the color of it none my hair is black gautran's eyes glittered and a flash of lightning illuminated his face and revealed to vanbrugh the savage and ruthless look which shone there and your height and build about the same as mine said gautran let us strike a bargain i have gold you have none i have taken a fancy to your clothes i will buy them of you two gold pieces in exchange for them and mine thrown in the clothes of a murderer said vanbrugh 
slowly retreating as Gautran advanced upon him. "'Thank you for nothing. Not for two hundred gold pieces, poor as I am. Keep off. Do not come so near to me.' "'Why not? You are no better than I. Three gold pieces. That should content you.' "'You have my answer, Gautran. Leave me. I have had enough of you. You will have had more than enough before I have done with you, said Gautran, and Van Brew was satisfied now, from the man's brutal tones, that it was a deadly foe who stood within a few inches of him. If you do not do as I bid you, say, done and done, you had better. By fair means or foul, I mean to have what I want. Not by fair means, you murderous villain. Be warned, I am on my guard. If you will have it, then, cried Gautran, and with a savage shout he threw himself upon Van Brew. So sudden and fierce was the attack that Van Brew could not escape from it. But although he was no match for Gautran in strength, he had had, in former years, some experience in wrestling which came to his aid now in this terrible crisis the struggle that ensued was prolonged and deadly and while the men were locked in each other's arms the storm broke immediately over their heads the thunder pealed above them the lightning played about their forms you villain gasped van Brew as he felt himself growing weaker. Have you been paid by the advocate to do this deed? Yes, answered Gautran, between his clenched teeth. He is the fiend's agent, and I am his. He bade me kill you. Your last moment has come. Not yet, cried Van Brew, and by a supreme and despairing effort he threw Gautran clear from him and stood again on the defensive. Simultaneous with the movement, a flash of forked lightning struck the tree against which Van Brew had been leaning when Gautran first accosted him, and cleft it in twain. And as Gautran was about to spring forward, a huge mass of timber fell upon him with fatal force and bore him to the earth where he lay imprisoned, crushed and bleeding to death. Chapter 5 Father Capel Discovers Gautran in His Peril Father Capel was wending his way slowly over the hill from the bedside of the sick woman whom he had attended for two nights in succession. On the first night she was in a state of delirium, and Father Capel could not arouse her to a consciousness of surrounding things. In her delirium, she had repeatedly uttered a name which had powerfully interested him. Madeline, Madeline, my Madeline, she moaned again and again. Is it possible, thought the priest, that the girl whose name she utters with agonized affection is the poor child who was so ruthlessly murdered? On this, the second night, the woman whose last minutes on earth were approaching was conscious, 
and she made certain disclosures to father capel which veiled as they were had grievously disturbed his usually serene mood she had also given him a mission to perform which did not tend to compose his mind he had promised faithfully to obey her and they were to meet again within a few hours to his earnest request that she would pray with him she had impatiently answered there will be time enough after i have seen the man you have promised to bring with you i shall live till then so he had knelt by her bedside and had prayed for her and for himself and for all the erring his compassionate heart had room for them all for twenty miles around there was no man better loved than he his life had been reproachless and his tender nature never turned from the performance of a good deed though it entailed suffering and privation upon himself these were matters not to be considered when duty beckoned to him a poor man and one who very often deprived himself of a meal in the cause of charity a priest in the truest sense of the word seldom in the course of a long merciful and charitable career had he met with so much cause to grieve as on the present occasion in the first place because it was an added proof to the many he had received that a false step in life in the taking of which one human being caused another to suffer was certain to bring at some time or other its own bitter punishment in the second place because in this particular instance the punishment and the remorse that must surely follow were as terrible as the mind of man could conceive his road lay towards the hill upon which the desperate conflict between john vanbrugh and gautran was taking place there was no occasion for him to cross this hill by skirting its base he could follow the road he intended to take but as he approached the spot the wind bore to him in moments when the fury of the storm was lulled cries which sounded in his ears like cries of pain and despair they were faint and difficult to ascribe to any precise definite cause they might be the cries of an animal but even in that case it was more than likely that father capel would have proceeded in their direction presently however he heard a human cry for help. The word was distinct, and it decided his movements. Without hesitation, he began to climb the hill. As he approached nearer and nearer to the spot on which the struggle was proceeding, there was no longer room to doubt its nature. "'Holy Mother!' murmured the priest, quickening his steps will the evil passions of men never be stilled it seems as if murder were being done here grant that i am not too late to avert the crime then came the terrific lightning flash followed immediately by gautran's piercing scream as he was struck down by the tree who calls for help cried father capel in a loud voice 
but his words were lost in the peals of thunder which shook the earth and made it tremble beneath his feet. When comparative silence reigned, he shouted again, Who calls for help? I am a priest and tender it. Gautran's voice answered him, Here, here, I am crushed and dying. This appeal was not coherently made, but the groans which accompanied it guided Father Capel to the spot upon which Gautran lay. He felt amid the darkness and shuddered at the touch of blood, and then he clasped Gautran's right hand. The tree had fallen across the murderer's legs and had so crushed them into the earth that he could not move the lower part of his body. His chest and arms were free. A heavy branch had inflicted a terrible gash on his forehead, and it was from this wound that he was bleeding to death. "'Who are you?' said Father Capel, kneeling by the dying man, "'that lies here in this sad condition. I cannot see you. Is this heaven's deed or man's?' "'It is heaven's,' gasped Gautran, "'and I am justly punished.' I heard the sounds of a struggle between two men. Are you one of those who were fighting in the midst of this awful darkness? Yes, I am one. And the design, continued Father Capel, was murder. You do not answer me. Your silence is sufficient confirmation. Are you hurt much? I am hurt to death. In a few minutes I shall be an external fire, unless you grant me absolution and forgiveness for my crimes. Speak first the truth. Were you set upon, or were you the attacker in this evil combat? I attacked him first. Then he may be dead, exclaimed Father Capel, and rising hastily to his feet, he peered into the darkness and felt about with his hands, and called aloud to know if the other man was conscious. "'This is horrible,' said the priest, in deep perplexity, scarcely knowing what it was best to do. "'One man dying, another in all likelihood dead.' He turned as if about to go, and Gautran, divining his intention, cried in a tone of agony, "'Do not leave me, father, do not leave me!' "'Truly,' murmured the priest, "'it seems to me that my present duty is more with the living than the dead.' He knelt again by the side of Gautran. "'Miserable wretch! If the man you attacked be dead, you have murdered him, and you have been smitten for your crime.' It may not be the only sin that lies upon your soul. It is not, it is not, groaned Gautran. My strength is deserting me. I can hardly speak. Father, is there hope for a murderer? Do not let me die yet. Give me something to revive me. I am fainting. I have nothing with me to restore your strength. To go for wine, and for assistance to remove this heavy timber which imprisons you, 
my weak arms cannot stir it, cannot be accomplished in less than half an hour. It will be best, perhaps, for me to take this course. In the meantime, pray, miserable man, with all the earnestness of your heart and soul, for divine forgiveness. What is your name? I am Gautran, faintly answered the murderer. Father Capel's frame shook under the influence of a strong agitation. "'From the bedside of the woman I have left within the hour,' he murmured, "'to this poor sinner who has but a few minutes to live. The hand of God is visible in it.' He addressed himself to the dying man. "'You are he who was tried for the murder of Madeline, the flower girl?' "'I am he,' moaned Gautran. "'Hearken to me,' said Father Capel. "'For that crime you were tried and acquitted by an earthly tribunal, which pronounced you innocent. But you are now about to appear before the divine throne for judgment, and from God nothing can be hidden. He sees into the hearts of men. Who is ready, as you but now admitted to me, to commit one murder, and who, perhaps, has committed it for, from the silence, I infer that the body of your victim lies at no great distance, will not shrink from committing two. Answer me truly, as you hope for mercy. Were you guilty or innocent of the murder of Madeline? I was guilty, groaned Gautran. Wretch that I am, I killed her. I loved her, father, I loved her. Gautran, from whose lips these words had come amid gasps of agony, could say no more. His senses were fast leaving him. Ah, me, ah, me, sighed Father Capel. How shall such a crime be expiated? Father, moaned Gautran, rallying a little, had I lived till to-morrow, I intended to buy masses for the repose of her soul. I will buy them now, and for my own soul, too. I have money. Feel in my pocket. There is gold. Take it all, all, every piece, and tell me I am forgiven. Father Capel did not attempt to take the money. "'Stolen gold will not buy absolution or the soul's repose,' he said sadly. "'Crime upon crime, sin upon sin. Gautran, evil spirits have been luring you to destruction.' "'I did not steal the gold,' gasped Gautran. "'It was given to me, freely given.' "'Forgiveness you cannot hope for,' said father capel if in these awful moments you swerve from the truth by a hair's breadth confess you stole the gold and tell me from whom so that it may be restored may eternal torments be mine if i stole it believe me father believe me i speak the truth who gave it to you then the advocate the advocate he who defended you 
and so blinded the judgment of men as to cause them to set a murderer loose? Yes, he and no other man. From what motive, Gautran? Compassion? No, from fear. What reason has he to fear you? I have his secret, as he had mine, and he wished to get rid of me, so that he and I should never meet again. It was for that he gave me the gold. What is the nature of this secret which made him fear your presence? He knew me to be guilty. What do you say? When he defended you, he knew you to be guilty? Aye, he knew it well. Incredible! Horrible! exclaimed Father Capel, raising his hands. He shared, then, your crime. Yes, though he committed not the deed, his guilt is as heavy as the guilt of the murderer. How will he atone for it? How can atone for it? And if what I otherwise fear to be true, what pangs of remorse await him? A frightful scream from Gautran arrested his further speech. "'Save me, father, save me!' shrieked the wretch. "'Send her away. Tell her I repent. See, there, there! She is creeping upon me along the tree.' "'What is it you behold amidst the darkness of this appalling night?' asked Father Capel, crossing himself. "'It is Madeline, her spirit that will never, never leave me. Will you not be satisfied, you, with my punishment? Is not my death enough for you? You fiend, you fiend! I will strangle you if you come closer.' have mercy mercy you are a priest have you no power over her then what is the use of prayer it is a mockery a mockery my eyes are filled with blood ah then all was silent gautran whispered father capel take this cross in your hand Put it to your lips and repeat the words I say. Gautran, do you hear me? No sound, no sound. He has gone to his account, unrepentant and unforgiven. Father Capel rose to his feet. I will seek assistance at once. There is another to be searched for. Ah, oh, terrible, terrible night! Heaven have mercy upon us. And with a heart overburdened with grief, the good priest left the spot to seek for help. Chapter 6 The Written Confession During the whole of this interview, John Van Brew had lain concealed within two or three yards of the fallen tree and had heard every word that had passed between Gautran and Father Capel. For a few moments after he had thrown Gautran from him, he was dazed and exhausted by the struggle in which he had been engaged, and by the crashing of the timber which had saved him from his deadly foe. 
gradually he realized what had occurred and when father capel's voice reached his ears he resolved not to discover himself and to be a silent witness of what transpired in this decision lay safety for himself and absolute immunity for gautran knew nothing of him not even his name and to be dragged into the light to be made to give evidence of the scene in which he had been a principal actor would have seriously interfered with his plan of action respecting the advocate favored by the night he had no difficulty in concealing himself and he derived an inward satisfaction from the reflection that he might turn even the tragic and unexpected event that had occurred to his own immediate advantage he had not been seriously hurt in the conflict a few bruises and scratches comprised the injuries he had received among his small gifts lay the gift of mimicry he could imitate another man's voice to perfection and when father capel left gautran for the purpose of obtaining assistance an idea crossed his mind which he determined to carry out he waited until he was assured that father capel was entirely out of hearing and then he stepped from his hiding place and knelt by the side of gautran having now no fear of his enemy he placed his ear to gautran's heart and listened he breathes he muttered there is yet a little life left in him he raised gautran's head upon his knee and taking his flask of brandy from his pocket he poured some of the liquor down the dying man's throat it revived him he opened his eyes languidly but he had not strength enough left in him to utter more than a word or two at the time i have returned gautran said john vanbrugh imitating the voice of the priest i had it not in my heart to desert you in your last moments the man you fought with is dead and in his pocket i found this flask of brandy it serves one good purpose it will give you time to earn salvation you have two murders upon your soul are you prepared to do as i bid you yes replied gautran answer my questions then what do you know of the man whom you have slain nothing was he then an absolute stranger to you yes do you not even know his name no there is no time to inquire into your reasons for attacking him for i perceive from your breathing that your end is very near and the precious moments must not be wasted it is your soul your soul that has to be saved and there is only one way the guilty must be punished you have met your punishment heaven's lightning has struck you down these gold pieces which i now take from your pocket shall be expended in masses rest easy rest easy gautran there is but one thing for you to do and then you will have made atonement you hear me you understand me yes quick quick 
to die leaving behind you no record of the guilt of your associate of the advocate who knowing you to be a murderer deliberately defeated the ends of justice will be to provoke divine anger against you there is no hope for pardon in that case can you write no your name with my assistance you could trace perhaps i will write a confession which you must sign you shall receive absolution he poured a few drops of brandy into gautran's mouth and they were swallowed with difficulty after this he allowed gautran's head to rest upon the earth and tore from his pocket-book some sheets of blank paper upon which with much labor he wrote the following i gautran the woodman lately tried for the murder of madeline the flower girl being now upon the point of death and conscious that i have only a few minutes to live and being in full possession of my reason hereby make oath and swear that being thrown into prison awaiting my trial i believed there was no escape from the doom i justly merited for the reason that i was guilty of the murder that some days before my trial was to take place the advocate who defended me voluntarily undertook to prove to my judges that i was innocent of the crime i committed that with this full knowledge he conducted my case with such ability that i was set free and pronounced innocent that on the night of my acquittal after midnight had struck and when every person but himself in the house of white shadows was asleep i secretly visited him in his study and remained with him some time that he gave me food and money and bade me go my way that i am ignorant of the motives which induced him to whom i was a perfect stranger to deliberately defeat the ends of justice that the proof that he knew me to be guilty lies in the fact that i made a full confession to him to which i solemnly swear being about to appear before a just god to answer for my crime i pray for forgiveness and mercy signed and here john vanbrugh left a space for gautran's name he read the statement to gautran who was now fast sinking and then he raised the dying man's head in his arms and holding the pencil in the almost nerveless fingers assisted him to trace the name gautran this was no sooner accomplished than gautran with a wild scream fell back john vanbrugh lost not another moment with an exultant smile he placed the fatal evidence in his pocket and prepared to depart as he did so he heard the voices of men who were ascending the hill this paper thought vanbrugh as he crept softly away in an opposite direction is worth i should say at least half the advocate's fortune it is the ruin of his life and career and if he does not purchase it of me on my own terms let him look to himself 
when father capel with the men he had summoned to his assistance arrived at the spot upon which gautran lay the murderer was dead end of book 5 end of section 27